Hello and welcome to Quest Me, the Star Wars podcast that takes you on a quest through legends and new canon. My name is Josh and I'm your forever host, friend, and night trooper. And of course, I can't do this without my all-around fact checker, Phil. How are you doing today, sir? Doing well, Josh. How about yourself? I'm good. Uh, normally, I would be introducing Justin right now, but unfortunately, he has uh, other. He's he's got to do the hero thing, you know. He's out. He's out doing real real life stuff. He so, is temporary um, temporarily exiled to another galaxy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he will too. be back <laughs> as soon as possible, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're building a ship to get to him so he can be here next week. Um, he will. We got to go sure steal some hyperdrives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but thanks for coming back, Phil. It's always good to have you on. Um, for those of you that are listening, you can follow us anywhere, basically just by searching for Quest Me Podcast. I'm talking Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, everything. Just search Quest Me Podcast and you'll find us there. Um, if you're listening, watching right now, thank you for watching. Um, you can listen to these podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, all the all the places you listen to podcasts. Again, just search for Quest Me. Phil, take it away. Uh, so this week we have a new guest with us. Uh, tonight, my good friend and cosplay genius, Aaron. Hello. Hi, Aaron. How, How are, are you doing? Doing good. good. Doing good. Good, good. So. Because I had to talk Star Wars things. Yeah, thanks for coming on such short notice. Um, Absolutely. We had to move some things around this week. Our friend Steve, who was on last week, is now in, what did he say, Italy or something? For his uh, anniversary. Somewhere overseas so, for his honeymoon. Yeah, yeah. So uh, be, Belated honeymoon. They were, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it worked out nicely. Um, now, like Phil was saying, you do cos cosplay? I do, I do. Yeah, I've been doing costuming, cosplay for, well, how old am I now? Um, <laughs> About two decades that you've been uh, doing. At, at least, uh, yeah. at least. You know, I, I've been sewing since I was six. So. <laughs> oh, wow. um, so you make your own costumes from scratch then? Yep, yep. Uh, I do a lot of stuff from scratch. I do a lot of, like, kind of found object. Um, nice. Kind of, you know, I guess compilations, if you will. Aaron has Cut helped me. Aaron has helped me go through and like draft and design costume pieces over the years. Um, we have gone and done photo shoots together for yeah. various different like themes. We did a whole Hunger Games uh, thing for yes. a couple of years there. Uh, I was at Colorado yes. Capital Couture where yep. we were doing yep. Hunger and... Games inspired fashion. Yeah, so, well, the Front Range region, Denver, Rocky Mountains, etc., is you know the capital region of the Hunger Games. So we just oh. decided to start making capital-inspired fashion. We and we might have to bring that back because they just dropped a trailer yes. for the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Yeah. Uh, so we're getting back so, into that world. Yep. Um, I love running fashion show type things. Um, and you, yeah. you do your own convention, right? That's what you were saying. Yes, you were yes. Me about some... I, uh, this spring, um, end of March, so March 29th um, through April 1st, I am hosting a costume con um, up in Denver, uh, Costume Con 42. So uh, the the con that is the answer to the life universe and everything. Um, <laughs> 
but it's uh, four days um, celebrating all things costuming makers. You know, we've got proper makers coming in. We're going to be guest announcing our guest of honor here very soon. Um, we're going to have photo studios and makerspace and vendors and four different costume contests and towel contests. Very important for, you know, the, the theme. Yeah. So That's awesome. So March 29th to, what did you say? April, April 1st. 2nd? 1st. Okay, cool. Yep. Yep. That sounds, I might have to go up there. And do you have to yeah. wear a costume to go to costume? You club? don't. You don't. Okay. If you just want to go and admire everyone else's costumes, that is perfectly acceptable. So we're going to be having a ton of classes and um, panels and, like I said, workshops. So it'll be, uh, Heck yeah. it'll be a good time. Well, I will make sure to put any links that you have for me in the show notes. Thank you again, Aaron, for uh, coming on and talking some Star Wars with us. And thank you again, Phil, for putting up with my bullshit for yet another week. I mean, it's only like um, two hours at a time. It's <laughs> <laughs> You're right, you're right. It's Small funny. doses, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we got to talk about Ahsoka Episode 6, of course. Um, it's called Far, Far Away. But before... We do that. Sorry. We always have to go to a bar far away. So, Phil, tell us what we're drinking tonight. Uh, so, tonight, in honor of our favorite Star Wars storyteller, Professor Hu Yang, I have taken uh, a classic cocktail called an Old Scholar and done a little twist on that. So okay. uh, an old scholar is sage, orange juice, simple syrup, and rye. Uh, so in this particular instance, I actually already had sage-infused simple syrup. And so I did um, one part sage simple syrup, one part lime juice, one, uh, two parts pineapple juice instead of orange, and uh two parts rye again you're always bringing the heat with these drinks man like i uh, sage simple syrup can you buy that or do you make that i made it i just bought <laughs> fresh sage and um like i i made um, the uh blueberry sagacity uh earlier oh. this summer uh when or yeah it was for one of our uh I think it's for episode. one of our uh, book podcast, our book club ones. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. I made uh, a recipe from Kevin Hearn called the Blueberry Sagacity, and that was uh, involving sage simple syrup. And so I just made a fresh batch. So I had some on hand. God. So when I came across that recipe for the old scholar, I was like, "Ooh, that's fun!" So yeah, the uh, the Hu Yang. Excellent. And uh, as always, drink responsibly. I just have one shooter of fireball tonight. Uh, that's that's all I would like. See, if um, I'd known that I was supposed to come with cocktails, I'm drinking the most salty <laughs> thing ever, which is water. Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. So I'm, I'm glad it's you. <laughs> I got I got water um, on tap too. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, not water. tap, but you um, know. Phil, we're also gonna I'm, have in the notes um a place to go get tickets to go to uh, Peaks and Pours. Yes. What's, uh, what's so, that all about? Um, so I found out earlier this week that I did, in fact, get into an upcoming local bartender competition uh, yes. that is in Colorado Springs on October 14th. The event is called Peaks and Pours, and it is actually a, um, a fundraiser 
for Mount Carmel Veterans Services Center here in Colorado Springs. Uh, awesome. Uh, and Mount Carmel specifically like focuses on a lot of helping uh, veterans dealing with PTSD. Uh, so this is an awesome, awesome cause to support. And I get to go do uh, like an Iron Chef mystery ingredient style uh, cocktail competition. <laughs> How fun. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's coming up in about three weeks. And, uh, yeah, there will be a link for uh, local folks if you want to uh, take a look at tickets. Absolutely. That Those are in the show notes for sure if you're listening in podcast land. If you're watching right now, wait for the show to come out and then uh, – Go click on that link and check them out. They're uh, they're not too not too badly priced. Nah, and like I said, goes to a good cause. Yeah, looks like it'll be a good time. So definitely check that out. Um, let's get on to episode six. Far far away. Um, of course, I always like to write my own little synopses. Um, and Justin is now not here for the second week in a row where I've wrote my own synopsis that he loves. I so can much, so. I can sit here and laugh at you during it if that helps. No, no, it's it's fine. You don't have to. You don't have to do that. I'm sure he'll just he'll listen you know to just it later filling in for him whenever I can. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the thread of destiny has led us to a little planet called Peridia, a place of dark magic and crazy creatures. It is here that we finally learn of Thrawn and Ezra's whereabouts. But what will it cost? And what the hell is Balin up to? This episode is directed by Jennifer Getzinger. It is written by Dave Filoni. It stars Rosario Dawson, Natasha Lou Bordizo, and it has our boy Iman Esfandi, who's playing Ezra, and Mother Effin Lars Mikkelsen, who's playing quite possibly one of my favorite characters in all of Star Wars, um, Grand Admiral Thrawn. So awesome, awesome, awesome to have those guys finally in here. Um, little fun fact, we do see, and we'll talk about it, but we do see a couple Night Sisters later on in this episode. And those three sisters were played by Claudia Black, Gerald Prescott, and Jane Seymour, who actually played the Borg Queen in Star Trek Picard this last year. Um, so, or no, it was two years ago, sorry, two years ago. When season, season two, I believe, two, when yeah. they had the Borg okay. Queen. Um, I mean, it was three weeks ago for me. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little behind. Um, but but fun fact, it's another another actor that has done both Star Trek and Star Wars. So really fun to see that. Well and uh Claudia Black uh is you know Farscape, Farscape Stargate SG one, pitch black. So yeah. Sci fi powerhouse there. Yeah, no, she is a sci fi legend. So and it was uh, really cool to see Night Sisters in this episode. Um, but first, we start off at, basically in the whale. Um, Ahsoka's doing her best Jonah and the whale impression with Hu Yang. And they're having a little bit of a story time. Um, I feel like this conversation, I love that. This conversation was a lot of fun. Um, and it also kind of struck a nerve with Ahsoka a little bit because Hu Yang, just bringing the heat, um, he says the Force provides you with insight but doesn't always give all the answers, uh, to which he also continued to say um, maybe Sabine's only choice was to go with uh, the enemy and find Ezra. And Ahsoka was not too pleased about that, um, which... 
I, I I don't know. I found it to be kind of weird because I feel like she just kind of had a spiritual awakening as a Jedi, and you would think that she would understand that a little bit more now, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. Did you catch irritation vibes, Phil, from Ahsoka in this opening scene? She definitely seemed a little frustrated, but I mean, right. it was a it was a weird situation that they were going through. I guess that's true. Um, Aaron, what did you think about the whole history of the galaxy, part one, two, and three? Well, definitely channeling some of our uh, our friend uh, Mel Brooks there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. So I was like, mm, yeah, we don't have a part three it's, yet. It's not but... quite a Spaceballs reference, but it's pretty close. It's close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I like to think that this is... Uh, episodes four, five, and six. They're kind of making a reference to Star Wars episodes oh, yeah. four, five, and six. Oh, yeah. New Hope, best one. Right. Episode, or, uh, part one. And then so. Empire's part two, Return of the Jedi's yep. part three. I mean, it's clearly it's it's not that, but I just feel like it was kind of a reference, maybe. A little bit, a little bit, a little, not quite fan service, but, you know. Still kinda, nice like, nods. The fun things, yeah. A little nice nod yeah. for us. Yeah. This this whole so. show has been fan service, though. We can admit that, I mean, right? yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, David Tennant's voice alone is, <laughs> you know. It's pretty fan service-y. I, Lars Mikkelsen playing Thrawn. To, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I, I could li- listen to David Tennant tell just, like, the entire history of the galaxy part one two and three just can we can we just get the podcast of that <laughs> audiobook of that let's, let's do it that would be great. at least have him at least have him <clears throat> read the uh the scrolls the at scrolls? the beginning yeah. of, <laughs> of the episodes you know instead of the guy from clone wars have it be david Tennant. yes doing the no cat attack on coruscant <laughs> <laughs> dateline um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so that whole scene was the only time that we see Ahsoka in this whole episode. Yep. Um, it was, you know, last week I kind of mentioned like that that week was an all Ahsoka episode. The show is called Ahsoka, and you would think that most episodes would, would be all about Ahsoka, but this one was four minutes of her, five minutes of her, and then the rest was Sabine. And her search for Ezra on Peridia. Boy, wait till um, I tell you about what was the fourth episode of Book of Boba Fett, man. <laughs> I was going to say, um, Book of Boba Fett, a.k.a. Mandalorian season... 2.5. Season 2.5, yeah. That was a running yeah. joke on this podcast for a little bit. Because it was like sure. yep. three episodes. Um, and we're like, wait, did we just form what? into Mandalorian? Uh, in Andor, <laughs> in Andor season two, we're actually going to get three episodes where it's just Nemec writing his manifesto. It's going to be great. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, I mean, oh, this is Rebel like... season five, so. It is. Yes. And it's spectacular. And I feel like that's kind of what they're doing. If, if they do another Ahsoka season, I would guess it would be very much more Ahsoka driven. But who knows? Maybe if they do another one, it's going to be Rebel Season 6 because I would assume that Zeb's going to pop up at the end of this. They're going to have some Where sort of is family that? reunion, right? That is right? a good question. Yeah. I'm... I was expecting to have seen... Still hanging out at the base. He's... Yeah. <laughs> Adelphi oh. X or yeah. whatever. I, I, Carson um, Tiva said, hey, you're, you're too involved in this. I can't bring you out on this one. 
Yeah. I'm wondering if we'll see him testify for Hera as she gets court-martialed. Oh. And that's what brings him in, is him coming in to, like, talk about and her. Just being... as a character witness for her. Yeah. I did see that. Well, half of half of the uh, the Ghost Squadron is uh, now <laughs> the, They're all there. We've all... We, well, uh, I mean, we got Ezra, we got Sabine, we got... I mean, Ahsoka wasn't I mean, they're, they're bringing the originals, it, you know, bringing the boys back. <laughs> what do we need, Rex? And uh, we we got we got the cameo from Rex. We haven't seen him yeah, in the, we haven't seen him in the current timeline. I would still we need love him to see old that. man Rex. Old man beard. Rex would be great with the big and mm-hmm. a great big yeah. bushy beard. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then Callus. We got to have Callus come in at some point too, because he was pretty integral yes, too. Please. Um, but I I don't know I. I'm still on, we had a discussion about the timeline a little bit, and I'm still just kind of wondering what the timeline is. Because if maybe Carson Tava was at Adelphi base to get Zeb to take him back. When Mando shows for, up. Yeah, for Hera's trial, when Mando shows up at the end of season three. Mm. Could see that. Could see that. It, like he's there to retrieve her, you know. That that would be the cameo that Mando has is him walking out of the bar with Baby Yoda, or with Grogu, yes. sorry, and it would that would be it, and then it pans in to show Tava picking up Zeb. Hey man, we gotta go. <laughs> yeah, um, that'd be fun. It'll it'll be nice to see him though, and to see the I know that um, uh, God Hera the the actress that played Hera had an interview and said that the end of Ahsoka is gonna be. A really good Rebels reunion. Mary Elizabeth like it's Winston. Gonna, yes, yes, and she was saying that it's going to be very satisfying for Rebels fans. Nice, so, good. This is yeah, good. I'm, I'm assuming he'll be there. But so moving on to Peridia, which is the first time we've the first planet we've ever seen outside of the regular Star Wars galaxy. Um, it's basically a whale graveyard. It's where all the Purgles go to die. What did you think about that, Aaron? Um, I was wondering how then they come back, or is that just kind of the the end point? You know, is it a one way street? Do because there were babies, is it, is there it, were small star whales. Is it salmon spawning? Is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I mean, there was there were smaller star whales or purgles, um in the the pod that uh, jumped. So. Do they, they, you know, they must come back, but... Some of them, anyway. Yeah. And maybe that's why Ahsoka got the biggest one, because that's the oldest one. Yeah. And also, you know, it'd fit the ship. I don't know if her ship would uh, fit in any of the other ones as mounts. Well, it might just be a tight fit. Eh, It'd be like when the dentist puts that thing in your mouth to do (laughs) x-rays. I am very curious about that, because... I, I feel like that whale, that purgle is going to get killed. Like, it's going to get shot down. And is Save it going to have the whales. rest of them, you know? like Or, or are the, the other, the smaller whales that aren't going to their death? Like, because they have to be communicating with each other. Like, no, we don't, we don't go there. That's, you see that place where the sun doesn't touch? Like, we don't right. go to that spot. And it Quite could just low. be the older whale, like... <laughs> The older whale's like, well, I know where you're going, and I know that that's where I'm going to end up anyway, so I'm going to take you there, and 
see my doom a little earlier see and i yeah. i thought of it as just kind of like a migration route and then that some of them just choose to end their time there and not okay. make the journey back okay as, as much more of just a casual kind of migration not necessarily a um hey we only go here to die kind of thing sure it's kind of like the the birds flying south for the yeah the winter sure. yeah what happens yeah. to the Purgle? Well, it's winter. So, <laughs> so they're in the next galaxy. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. That season. Um, the special effects here were awesome, though. Uh, Going the yes. whole... into the atmosphere and seeing the graveyard and then getting into Peridia. Um, I feel like... Just the rings being all bones was kind of... Yes, yeah. that was a... Terrifying. I paused it and I backed it up and I rewatched it like three times to just be like, okay, yeah, no, I'm seeing what I'm seeing. Because mm -hmm. yeah. you get there, the first time you see it, you you only see the rings. It's like seeing the rings right. of Saturn yeah. from a distance. And then you get up close, you're like, oh, this is a ring of death. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but I, I really, I really appreciated the special effects in this episode all around um, from the the wide shots of like the star destroyer and the landscape of peridia and then the um the the whale graveyard it looked a lot better than some of the previous I, episodes i feel like looked. there's a little more of this season's budget dedicated to this episode the later episodes <laughs> yeah yeah i'm hoping that the other the next two are uh, yeah well. right and it, it just seems like you know, a few scenes in the earlier episodes were you could tell they were in front of a screen. And I feel like this one, it felt like Sabine was running through an actual field, you know, or mm -hmm. they, they were actually on a the castle. Moors. Sure. Um, which <laughs> Do we need to have her, uh, someone running away from a haunted mansion? <laughs> Just <laughs> standard, Those... you know cover <laughs> oh my god um so now we get to see the night sisters in live action yeah so what, what did you think about about night sisters those things were first introduced in the courtship of princess leia which was one of the first eu books that i ever read and they had they were force witches or something they called them something completely different the, um but the witches of dathomir okay yes. um and it was such an such an interesting concept to bring into legends you know that was so long ago and to think that there was force witches and now we're seeing real witches in live action phil were you excited to see this or I, what were your thoughts i thought it was brilliantly done uh the the casting caught me off guard because i actually hadn't uh i hadn't actually looked at the uh cast for this episode that closely uh, oh, okay. So I hadn't realized who that was in the uh, you know under the all the robes and makeup, um, right. but the the voice dubbing for them, the the over layering of the voices was so good. It was just such a spooky, fun, like spooky effect. It's like yeah. okay, so we have three of them here talking. Uh, how many voices are actually there with them? You know, yeah. are they channeling more of the other Night Sisters? You know, um, also yeah. going back a couple of episodes to Toil and Trouble, which I told you was a reference to Macbeth. Mm -hmm. 
we get our first shot of them, the three witches standing together in the henge uh, on Peridia. And my wife was in the room at the time and she's just like, oh, because, you know, English majors, you know, we geek out about Shakespeare references. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But even even but it, wife, was, it was oh. it was another direct reference yeah. to that, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it was just it was just great. It was like, okay, we've got, you know, uh I, I'm expecting an un um I, I'm looking forward to uh a subversion of a prophecy at some point along the line here. So mm. yeah, because they're following the threads of destiny here. Um they remind mm -hmm. me a lot of the Hercules three witches from the Disney show. Where they're like Defeats. cutting the strings and the the you know, they share the eyeball and stuff, but um, I feel like they're you know they have a loose thread now, and it's very interesting to see them because they they seem very confident in themselves. You know they reached out to until Morgan. <laughs> yeah, they're and, they're very you know, confident that... until they realize that Ahsoka's on her way. Oh my <laughs> god! And without getting too far into that, I love how Thrawn reacted to that scene like is this is this maybe the jedi that you told me you killed <laughs> like, <Maybe. laughs> yeah no way but yeah um the night sisters were i i, I love them i are they all mothers what's what's the difference here between like regular night sisters and the mothers are those like a is it like an upper echelon of night sisters how does I would, that work i Do would assume if they're anything like you know most kind of um like the the, the coven know, leaders or sisterly whatever. orders uh uh convents uh any Covens? order coven coven or convent i mean if you're looking at like no nah, nuns oh none uh, yeah sure so um and so one of them is a clear leader though right like one of those three night sisters has to be a, a leader I, I i look at this as like a the hocus pocus witches where you have come two come sidekicks come and the <laughs> yeah yes. and the and then the one leader so someone's got to be pulling a little more strings than the other one and i feel like they're gonna be confrontational at some point with each other maybe Maybe not. Maybe they'll just be confrontational with Thrawn. But who knows? I love their line of it reeks of Jedi. Because they look directly There's only at one Sabine. Jedi there. And it right. wasn't Sabine. And it wasn't <laughs> Shin either. Like it's all Balin. And nope. I love how they they look at Sabine and she's like, What me? I it's not me. <laughs> I can't use the force. What are you talking about? Yeah. And she wasn't even the one like most recently uh engaged with a Jedi because Balin had been dealing with Ahsoka, so Yeah, Balin mm -hmm. had direct contact with uh with a Jedi more recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well and he was raised a Jedi and I feel like in this episode you learn a little bit more about Balin and how he still respects the Jedi and he still probably considers himself a Jedi in some ways. He just detests the order. And uh -huh. what those guys stood for. I mean, and, Jedi go back thousands of years, you know. Speaking of, Thrawn's reaction to Balin. Oh, he knew him. He knew who he was. Yeah, it's, it Knew was, him it at least wonderful. by reputation and called him right. general. 
Mm-hmm. So that gives us a bit of a timeline on Balin uh, and when he left the Order as well. Because he would have had to have well, been he... in the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And so well, he, he didn't left... exactly leave the Order. The Order just kind of, the, you know, the mostly order died. Left him. died. Uh, yes. Well, I mean, at least theoretically, he could have also yeah. bailed partway through the uh, Clone Wars. He could have. He could have. He could have defected. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm curious to know more about his story because I feel like there's a lot more to learn about him. Oh yeah. What, what he did. Um, and again, the tragedy is that you know because of uh, Ray Stevenson's death, we're mm-hmm. we're not going to get another another season worth of Balin's mm-hmm. whole content. I mean, they could recast, and I'm sure they would do a great job doing it, but it would just it wouldn't be the same, man. It, would, it really wouldn't be the same. Awesome. Um, but the more you think about it, and we'll talk about this, the more you think about it, I don't think Balin's going to survive this season. Um, the last thing, last thought I had about the Night Sisters, um, in Mandalorian Season 3, the last episode, uh, Hux mentioned... Project Necromancer. Do you guys think that Necromancer starts with the Night Sisters? Uh, I think it has to. I, I, I have all kinds of new thoughts about Merrick uh, at this point uh, and about what is actually going on on board the Chimera. What, what Thrawn's whole strategy is versus his his plan in the uh, uh, Heir to the Empire trilogy. Uh, right. Because in Heir to the Empire, in, in Timothy Zahn's original trilogy where we first met Grand Admiral Thrawn, his whole scheme is focused on stealing a fleet of legendary ships that may or may not exist. They do. Uh, and staffing them Spoilers. with clones because yep. he needs a quick loyal army so and this this is this a fun be, twist on it yes if they're still looking for a fleet like that or if they i mean clearly they can just go and rip off a bunch of new republic shipyards because they still have a ton of star destroyers that are just there that they're taking apart so all they yep. got to do is you know go steal them and the New Republic is so inept right now that it's going to be really easy for them to basically smash and grab and do it multiple times. I think we'll, we'll talk about Balin and that whole thing here in a minute. I do want to just get to Thrawn because we keep dancing around the subject. And this is the main part of this whole episode is introducing Thrawn not only to live action but to a new set of eyes to a completely new audience um there are a lot of people believe it or not that didn't watch rebels and didn't watch clone wars but are still enjoying this show um what what did you guys think about his look just just right off the bat when he shows up and he's front and center and you and you see what he looks like um aaron what were your thoughts on on the way he 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 was portrayed basically um I he's he's definitely kept a lot of his stateliness um, throughout his exile. Um, forget how many years it's been since uh, nine nine years. Okay, thereabout. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, 
And you, and you can kind of tell, like you can tell he's been there for nine years. Yeah, and I saw some nice close-ups that uh, Shana Tripsik, who's the costume designer for um, for the show, um, she posted some close-ups of it, and you could see the fraying mm-hmm. on his collar, the buttons on his um, the the flap closure had been uh, darned because mm-hmm. you know it had been undone so many times and. Probably not a lot of seamstresses among the crew of uh, his Star Destroyer there. You know, he's got a lot of troops and, you know, personnel. Um, I think it was brought up that a fully staffed Star Destroyer is like 10,000 personnel plus troops then. So, but who knows how many, you know, seamstresses are probably not in high demand and uh, it's or not, weavers to find new fabric and it's not like so. star trek where they can just you know replicate a new replicate. uniform <laughs> right <you know? laughs> so um seeing that he's kept himself up as well as he can um was uh i think a, an important testament to his character absolutely yeah. that his uniform is as close to you know, spotless Proceed. white as he can get it. That it is, yeah. <laughs> and just his crew when he enters that oh, room. Ugh. Yes, just. the chanting—they mm-hmm. love him. They love him. They yeah. will die for him. I mean, um, their their costumes are great too. But just to finish with with Thrawn's costume, I. Ro, we have, you know, our friend Ro, he, he loves to talk about how pristine everything looks in these new Star Wars shows. How I it's lost captured... some of the used future kind of feel. Yeah, I yeah. think we get a lot more of that back in this. Mm-hmm. Agreed. With, with everything, with um, Thrawn, with the Stormtroopers, um, with the Star Destroyer, with the cell that um, Sabine gets thrown into, like everything is aged and it's mm-hmm. aged appropriately. Um I, I absolutely loved that Thrawn is like still just trying to make it work. You can tell he's just like he's. You can tell right he's now. struggling, but <laughs> yeah. you can tell he's making the best with what he's got. Stoicism. Yeah. And he's classic, really excited. Classic stoicism. Yeah, he's really excited to get out of there too. Yes. So ready. As, as, as excited, as emotional as Thrawn can get. Yeah, like I did. We see a couple smiles from him in this. Just, there were there were I, definitely some slight kind of up tilts of the corners of his mouth. Yeah, yeah, especially it's, when uh, when they mentioned Sabine Wren. Now and he's like, a yes, he's like, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. He, he almost I, took I delight it. in that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. His and Lars Mikkelsen is the best choice for Thrawn. I know he was in Rebels, of course. He played the voice yeah, of Thrawn. Yeah, he did his voice. Yep. Um, but they absolutely made the right choice by picking him to play the live-action version as well. I don't think I could see anyone else doing it. It's, yeah, and um, I, I'm appreciating when they've been able to take some of the voice actors. You know, they have enough of the actual um, feature similarities that they can. Mm-hmm. I feel like actors, some of the so. cartoons do that on purpose, though, too. Yeah. Like some of those animated um, shows will do that on purpose. Oh, like yeah. a writer. I forget the actor's name. I'm terrible. It looks things, exactly but like writer. I was like, is that, that, that's absolutely, that's him. That's writer. And that Bo-Katan, too. Writer in life. Yes. They look exactly the same. Um, 
Yeah, I loved I loved Thrawn's whole intro to this. Uh, when when he came in, I I looked back at my girlfriend and I was like, "This is, I've been waiting for this for almost thirty years." Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is what this, you've this wanted Star Wars to do yeah. since so you long. first read *Heir to the Empire*. Exactly. Um, that I mean, that was my sequel. You know, that was not knocking the sequel. I mean, I am knocking the sequels a little bit, but like. They they served their purpose. They were fine. Um, I have my problems with them, but Air of the Empire and that trilogy was my sequel back in the day. So to have this stuff come to fruition has been a long time. Nothing coming. short of magical. Yeah, <laughs> Roy in the chat. Um, yes, very much correct castings. Roy, you are absolutely right. Yes, um, and new characters. Speaking of, we got a new guy named Enoch. Who is quite the badass? His him, yes. just his turnaround and seeing that old school like Roman Empire face on there. I got, was, I got weird vibes from that because I got a little bit of um, Gladiator. Uh, oh yes, absolutely. Uh, Scipio Africanus from uh, uh, from Gladiator, the one that uh, just with gets the mask. Yeah. Uh, and and a little bit of Doctor Who, uh, a little oh, sure, little Cyberman, a little Cyberman okay. kind of vibe. Um, especially the the most recent uh, the Jodie Whittaker uh, yes. seasons with the lone Cyberman. Yeah, definitely, definitely reminded me of that. I was, and that, uh, I never watched Doctor Who, so I'm not uh, I'm not familiar. But I I you know I, I get it. There's a there's um, a whole life's worth of twist my arm. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. That, man. <laughs> no doubt. Um, I, I think I, just, I was more immediately drawn to the Japanese elements of the, the night troopers, the, the kintsugi, the the gold yes. reassembling yeah, all of that, and there that was in my a notes, direct yeah. inspiration from uh, um, from Shauna as well. Was she looked at the kintsugi and you know these guys. They've been exiled for a while. Their stuff's in disrepair. You know, again, there's resources on that ship, but there's not enough. And so they're making do with what they've got, you know, and without, turning it into an Without aesthetic. completely stripping the Star Destroyer itself bare of any oh, yeah. resources they'd need to get well, home. Well, they want to be able to get home, so... <laughs> yeah. They're um, not all going to fit on that uh, hyperspace. It's, thing, uh, that's it's a sure. little, little bit of Lost in Space vibes to it. Little bit, kinda, little bit. Uh, or or Star Trek Voyager if you want to go that way with it, right? I'm really excited to see who Enoch is under the mask. Is it just going to be some normal stormtrooper, or is it going to be another one of those experiments? Like I feel like Merrick was. Uh, Phil and I were talking you, just about this. Did you see who was cast as uh, as Enoch? Yes, uh, Wes uh, Catham. Chatham. Is it Catham? Chatham. Okay. Um. He's Caster from Mockingjay, uh, and Amos from oh. The Expanse. Mm, okay, so both shows I both things I have not seen yet. I don't know Hunger Games. I missed it for whatever reason. I just missed that series. Um, but I know people love them, and if if he was good in it, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, fun thing. Apparently, he's actually uh, was in the U.S. Navy. Uh, as oh, an cool. he was a, a aircraft carrier uh, firefighter. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I wonder if he'll actually be a human, or if it will be like we had kind of talked about <laughs> whatever Merrick was. Is 
is are all these troopers just reanimated Night Sister spirits? Um, I I love that, and I know we we chatted about this briefly the other night. Um, a while back in two thousand five, there was a, a Star Wars book called Death Troopers, and it was basically a zombie apocalypse. It, on an imperial naval vessel uh, huh. <laughs> it was a really fun I, uh, I remember reading it a long time ago like after we talked about it and i read the synopsis i was like oh yes i remember now yeah um yeah I'm uh, it came it right out in now. 2010 yeah so it actually it came out back when i was working at borders uh back when borders was still a thing uh but uh, Joe Schreiber, Schreiber uh, wrote a, uh, a horror novel set in the Star Wars universe that was stormtroopers getting infected with uh, a zombie virus. It was great. Yeah. Um, so it would be cool to see like a version of that. That was the thing. Sure. That was one of the and first then... things when I saw the, um, the night troopers because watching with captions gives you little names for things. Uh, so seeing the night troopers, uh, definitely gave me a lot of vibes from the death troopers. Um, and since they reused the name death troopers for the, uh, guys in rogue one, uh, mm -hmm. it was nice to yeah. see them come up with a new name for whatever that, I think they're undead, <laughs> or at least some of them are. I was gonna say probably some of them. I would guess that a lot of those stormtroopers survived the the last nine years, and that they've just continued yeah. to put their armor back together and like done the best with what they have. Oh yeah. Um, but but uh, I do love the that thought. I, I gotta bring this up because Roy said earlier Thrawn's intro music was terrifying in a different way than the Imperial March. It was um, so Kevin, discordant. It was so jarring. Yes. It was. And back in Rebels, they used that, like, organ kind of feel with him, where it was, like, you know, really sinister. You can tell they're still classy. Kind of, but, yeah, but still exactly. hitting that. Yes. And they, they used that a little bit in, in this episode when he came in. Um, that guy, Kevin Kinner, has, has just crushed it with the score. He, in this he whole really series. has. He really has. Um, it's I can't speak highly enough about this score and what he's done. The the notes that he's touched, the like, <laughs> the the force theme last episode with uh, Jason doing his thing. It just it's all been perfect. Um, so yes, thank thank you for bringing that up, Roy. It was uh, the music has been wonderful. Um, he also asks, what if some of the troopers are conscripted alien bandits? They look similar to Tuscans in build and very human like. I can see that. Yeah. Could be. Seems just Could like hiring some the of bandits them are the from the. Yeah. Well, because well, if there's one thing we know about Thrawn, he does not share the Emperor's uh, general xenophobia. He's he's, no. you know, I mean, Thrawn was always kind of pointed at as the exception to the mm -hmm. Empire's whole, oh no, humans no only, uh, mm -hmm. kind of vibe for their, you know, at least upper leadership. So. Right. That's certainly yeah, a possibility. See, I could see him just utilizing his resources. Like yeah. I don't think he would ever partner with Night Sisters before, but he's had to 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 do what he you know to get back. Desperate so. times. 
Exactly. So, um, last thing on this subject, the what are they? The, the, they're loading some things from the catacombs into the Star crates. Destroyer. <laughs> crates. Long or narrow crates. <laughs> uh, are are they the you know ancestors of the the Night Sisters? Are they moving people out of the crypts? Um, oh. Because so. my first is is this too. castle a giant crypt? I don't know. Probably. That's where I'm going for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my my first thought was uh, in in playing with that, and I was like, okay, we saw that Merak, whatever he actually was, wasn't fully alive, at least anymore. And he was clearly a Night Sister spirit too. Like so he was absolutely, what it, it looked so much like Clone Wars when um, Savage Press gets yeah. murked and oh, the Night yeah. Sister spirit flees, flees from it. Like him. it was very, very yeah. similar to that. So, so what if this is Thrawn's plan? Is not going with clones, but with Night Sister powered revenants? We have. You know, undead, and and I know part of this is just because I'm uh, going back through Tamsin Muir's Locked Tomb series, and so I've got all of these space necromancers on my mind. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, what if we're what if he's building a zombie army? And Merrick was a very formidable opponent. Yes, Ahsoka took him out, but I don't think many people would be able to take him out. And if, you know, if we have a ton of Merricks running around that are skilled with lightsabers or even just swords in general, then it it could be uh, it could be pretty awful for the New Republic. Um, but again, it's it, I'm. I'm really thinking that this is going to lead into Project Necromancer and that this might actually just be Project Necromancer. Yeah. And and maybe it's it's a much more literal uh kind of yeah. interpretation than we had yeah. originally that than we had I originally mean, expected. Originally we figured it was, you know, them bringing Palpatine back to life. Right. You know, yeah. cuz they they got to explain how somehow Palpatine returns. So to uh, do that that's going to happen in Fortnite 2. <laughs> oh god! Dude. As in, I'm so mad that I had to download T-O-L. Fortnite just to just to see that. Like, I literally downloaded <laughs> Fortnite on my Switch just so I could listen to that whole stupid message, and I was pretty upset about it. But um, it would be nice to to get an explanation, you know, to to see like, and with the way that Filoni's doing things, I feel like he's going to write the shit out of that story. I hope so. So, so let's go on to the other enemies of this episode, um, Balin and Shin, because they had a really interesting story arc in this. We're learning more and more ab- about them. Um, Balin kept referencing, you know, the old Jedi stories and the fairy tales and how this this is like coming to life for him. Um, but he's still searching for like a higher power. At mm-hmm. one point he says, you know, do you hear it calling? Do you feel it, you know, stirring? Um, what do you think this power is? Like, uh, originally a lot of people thought that it was the world between worlds, but I'm starting to think it it might not be that. Aaron, do you have any thoughts on what he could actually be trying to find? I honestly don't. I've actually been kind of staying a little bit away from speculation on that and just kind of going with the flow. Um, 
Which is the best which idea. Is, which is you know, source flow. So, um, you know, I speculated on a lot of other things, but um, yeah, that particular one, I've just been like, okay, where's he going with this? I'm just gonna, just gonna play your game here and keep waiting and see what, see what's coming up. So, um, I guess the I'm, only thing that could connect it to the world between worlds is that he said he's searching for the beginning. Right. Yeah, he's trying to break that cycle. So, um, I'm not it's, convinced that he and Shen are going to be leaving Peridia. Okay. So. Same. I, I think. I think it's more likely that Shin will than that both of them will. Yeah, potentially Shin. Shin seems to be a little more disenchanted with uh, Balin's plans these days. You know, I think she's, she knows what that, his plan. Yeah, how much of that is yeah, just not well, knowing? And she's not sure. I, I don't think she likes not knowing. Yeah, clearly. she. You can tell so, she's like getting frustrated a little bit. She is. She is. Um, so. And she... She's got a I lot loved her. at stake. Yeah, well, I mean, she's so much younger, you know? She's got so yeah. much life to live. And is yeah. she is she doing it for the right reasons? Like, is she training to be something more for the right reasons? Or, like, I, I can see her kind of contemplating her beliefs at this point because Balin has been so hush hush about it mm -hmm. um and i i loved her asking balin if he if, if he missed parts of the jedi order and he's like i miss the idea of it i don't miss the the politics of it but the idea and that's he doesn't miss kind of right and that's kind of what makes me think that he's still kind of a jedi like is this maybe a version of gray jedi phil yeah i i think it's the closest we're gonna probably get in new canon anytime soon it makes sense. It makes sense. And but I mean, we also had the... we had that that a little bit of that conversation when we first saw Ahsoka back in uh, Mando season True. two. The True. whole because you know white lightsaber blades and all manner of different other stuff. It's like okay. Yeah, I uh, I'm really curious to see like what side he actually leans for. I mean, he, uh, whichever maybe he's one looking is for winning. a Bendu. Well, maybe he's looking for a Bendu, though. Something that's, that's a... more, Ooh. more force sensitive or more in tune with the force. You know, he's like yeah. trying to find something bigger than an empire or a republic. I like that. It, I mean, we've seen a Bendu before. Why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't there be some giant force creature on? Dathomir 2, you know, or Dathomir, Dathomir 1, Peridia. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that'd be really fun. I, I don't I, I don't think that we saw the last of the Bendu in Rebels. Because um, he's, he's the Force, you know? He doesn't die. He doesn't do anything like that. He just becomes one with the Force. So, so fun fandom thing. You know who voiced uh, Bendu? Aaron? Ah. <sighs> Yes, it is the uh, fourth doctor. Tom Baker. Oh, see, <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> I know Tom Baker. So we got we got the fourth doctor and the tenth doctor, mm -hmm. and I'm sure the other ones that are still available would either love to or have made to be involved in doctor. Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. 
I think most people want to be involved in Star Wars in some way or the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it'd be it'd be cool to see even Tom Baker come and voice again, though. Oh yeah, if he would come mm-hmm. back and do the voice of it. Yeah, that's um, about all he's. That's all really he's really doing do. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Voice work. Um, mm-hmm. He he yeah. he did do a uh, cameo in the uh, 50th anniversary special, but that was almost 10 years ago. Uh, that was yeah. 10 years ago. Mm. Shit. That's, oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, we we're doing 60 it. this year. Ah! <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, Sorry, I, I'm so sorry. I don't know the references of the Doctor nah, thing. It's, it's I, I'm all just good. So, I, I feel I'm so out making, of place. I'm making more of them than usual this time around because Aaron's here. <laughs> uh, okay, all right, fair. That makes sense. Um, the last thing on Balin is he talks about the the Boken Jedi, which is really yes. cool. Um, Phil, explain what what Boken is and <laughs> what a Boken Jedi might be. So we've seen Boken. Uh, we've we've literally seen them in this series so far. Uh, a boken is a wooden sword. It, it's the the wooden version of a katana, uh, and it's used for kendo training. It's it's a practice sword for uh, Japanese style sword fighting, and the whole idea is that you know we've got whereas in like. Uh, the Old Republic, we had Jedi who were training at the temple, who were, you know, going through this rigorous training process, getting practice lightsabers, getting all kinds of different um, things that they were doing. People training outside of that are using whatever other resources they can for the training. And we have seen Ahsoka training Sabine with Boken. Uh, that entire sequence, everything she was doing, practicing with uh, with Ahsoka on the ship. So the the whole implication is just that these Boken Jedi are people who were trained outside of the main part of the Jedi Order. Um, and and if you think about it, we've in the post you uh, in the main Star Wars timeline starting with the original film and moving forward in time, we've really only seen Boken Jedi outside, you know, outside of the prequels. Like, uh, like Luke yeah. and Ray, yep. um, basically anyone that's, yeah. I mean, I guess you could kind of even consider Ahsoka maybe a Boken. I mean, she was trained in the she Jedi order, trained but in she the order, finished but she her left. training yeah. outside. Um, I kind of got the implication that Balin, looked at Boken Jedi as lesser Jedi. I, I think there's definitely an air of kind of classism going on there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and and maybe just a, a almost a bit of regret uh, from the loss of the Order. You know, just a, a little bit of mm. sadness there that that the Order is gone and that now all that remains are the Boken Jedi. That would make sense. Um, I did like how he said, you know, Shin is like, is that what I am? And he immediately is like, oh, no. He like realized, oh, fuck, no, no, <laughs> oh, no. Shit, I made my apprentice sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I trained you to be something more, which, again, that could be a more gray Jedi, one that pulls from both sides, one that is able to use the force for all it is instead of just one side or the other. 
I don't know. I yeah. Think I could be completely wrong there. But mm. um, speaking of Boken Jedi, we finally get to see Ezra show up in this <sighs> yes. episode. It's a long journey. Um, Sabine kind of gets a little lucky here. I mean, not lucky, but Thrawn was just so excited that Morgan showed up that he's like, yeah, whatever. Here's a horse. Here's all your stuff back. Get out. Go find your friend. Bye. I don't care. Bye. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, you know, sending, you know, Shin and Balin to go, you know, follow after them. But Right. Yeah, he's um, trying to use them to tie up, quote unquote, loose ends. And if he can mm-hmm. get rid of so. Balin and Shin... And Ezra That's and Sabine. Cool. Yeah, I feel like I feel like he's trying to get rid of all of them. Like it for mm-hmm. a little a little piece of Thrawn is like, eh, screw him. We'll just just leave him. We'll be fine without him. Um, and he's he's so confident that he doesn't need a, a Jedi. He doesn't need any sort of Force user. And that's got to be because he's got an army of the undead, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> But he clearly has kept tabs on Ezra and knew where Ezra was. Um, and Well, you know, I don't think he knew Sabine exactly where Ezra was. The, he said the, the last known whereabouts. The or something last like known that. whereabouts, yeah. And, you know, since Ezra is living with those nomadic hobbit podling. The no tea. The, the tur- turtle crabs. Turtles, <laughs> turtle crabs. Uh, the the hermit, hermit podlings. Um, <laughs> You know, since they move around, you know, seemingly with relative frequency, much like the Harfoots of uh, uh, Rings of Power, um, mm. it kind of keeps um, Thrawn guessing. You know, he doesn't know exactly where he is, and he doesn't really have the resources to send out. I I to like find him. I so. like that aspect. Just like I don't have the stuff i don't have the crew to dedicate to this mm-hmm. right you know, just that maybe maybe what was it maybe two squads if he comes here we'll <laughs> we'll take care of him yeah. but i don't have the resources to send people on you know wild desert chase so right and and his acknowledgement um, of that of how they have suffered losses since they've mm-hmm. been there that was that was great yeah well thrawn is a man of the people he, yeah you know, he yeah. cares about his crew and he like wants them to live. He's he was always known for having the least amount of casualties. Mm-hmm. And so it, it makes sense that, that he would do that. Um, but sorry, I didn't I mean thought to it was, there. I thought it was interesting how long a pause he gave to when she said like, oh, only two squads. Because he's oh, like, yeah. he's been up against Ezra and Sabine before. Yeah. But that's when they were much more... Well equipped much stronger, and they had a much larger like. yeah, and they, they had, had a, a lot more support um, network. Yeah, right. bigger support network, better morale. You know, he's like, Oh, Ezra is out here in the wilds by himself. You know, he doesn't have the resources, so I'm able to send. I'm, I'm more like confident he... in my lesser uh, the lesser beings. Yeah. I feel yeah, like less... he also was fairly sure that Ezra might might have been dead. Yeah, because of like the scavengers yeah. out there and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. So, um, d- well, okay, with this Ezra um, reveal, I, I know you you felt it was a little uh, were underwhelming. You guys, yeah, yeah. Were you guys underwhelmed? Because I mean, I they built it up so much, 
and it just was a turnaround and there he is kind of thing, you know? And I feel like... I was expecting a longer hunt, that's for sure. I, I feel like it was intentionally um, kind of low-key. Uh, okay. Just like, hey, we don't want to drag this out more than we already have. Um, we've got to at least reunite them now. And, and again, just playing with narrative structure, hit another complication next episode uh, before they try to go back. Well, it's going to be, I mean, Ezra's going to find out that Sabine doesn't have a plan to get back. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's going to find out real quick. <laughs> yeah. She's and, like, this was a one way trip. I didn't have a uh, return but plan. I, and she doesn't know that Ahsoka's on the way because she doesn't have the connection to the force. Exactly. She has no way so, of But knowing. Ezra, but Ezra. And it, Ezra's do, been in exile for, you know, nine years now. You know, has he been training? Do, has do, has I mean, he become basically like Force Buddha because there's nothing else to do? I was kind of actually expecting him to have like his own menagerie. You know, he connected with all the <laughs> animals and stuff, all the wild um, creatures and stuff in the area. I'm like, he didn't have any. He didn't even have a cat. That would have actually been really fun. A nodi cat. If they had. <laughs> well, he, um, if they gave him more of that, I mean, because you know, you see with the loth cats and. Various other, a lot um, of yeah. He started to really connect to the wildlife mm -hmm. on Lothal. Yeah, so. um, and I think that's so. The second those little turtle crab things showed up, I looked at my girlfriend and was like, "They're gonna take her to Ezra." Yeah, like I didn't even have to see the rebel symbol or anything, but just knowing that Ezra was so in tune with animals sure, and was able sure. to like speak to them through the Force, and like he loved animals. Like he's you know he's that guy. He yeah. loves animals. And he would do anything for them. So when that little turtle guy popped up, I was like, oh, yeah, this is here we go. They're going to take him to Ezra. But I half expected him to show up when Sabine was getting attacked, when she was getting attacked by. Oh, the, when she was fighting the bandits. Oh, by the yeah. bandits. Yeah. For him to just come either, in and come to the rescue. Either that or he was one of the bandits. You know what I mean? Like, I was kind of thinking that he might have succumbed to the nomad life and was like, well, I got to do something to survive. So, um, but neither neither of those happened. And we just followed a turtle to Ezra. And that was about it. I mean, it, it makes sense in a narrative structure. On Dagobah, he would. On Dagobah, uh, Luke moves rocks. On Peridia, the rocks move themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, they do. <laughs> I'm gonna make a meme out of that. Hang on, let me write that down so I can make a meme out of that later. No Luke um, required. Yeah, but it's just again, I, I was kind of hoping for a little more action when Ezra shows up. But again, we don't know if he's been training or how much of a Jedi he's become now. Um, so we might get to see a little bit more action when Balin and Shin show up, and Sabine goes, "Here's your lightsaber." Yeah, it'll be it'll be just like riding a bike, and he's gonna wreck some fools. It's gonna be great. <laughs> or he'll just pull a Luke and throw it away. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, um, he's like, I and, think I and Josh is gonna kick me out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he just catches it and goes, "What the hell is this?" Throws it away and starts throwing rocks. <laughs> oh man, no, I, I don't think that's gonna happen, but. 
I am very excited to see that battle because it's going to be, you know, it's going to be Ezra versus Balin and another rematch of Sabine versus Shin. Yeah. And I think yeah. this might be the final match between these ones. So it will be cool. Um, is there, oh, you know, I did want to mention um, that Iman is a wonderful choice again for adult oh, Ezra. He's so pretty too. <laughs> he is. Those <laughs> eyes, man. Those eyes They're are just okay. beautiful. Okay. So Roy's throwing a comment in there asking if he's wearing contacts just because of how blue, like um, not quite be. Dune I'm level blue. I'm pretty but... sure, like they may have done contacts, but I'm pretty sure what they did, um, they probably did a digital enhancement like they did with uh, Thrawn. Yeah. Because there is no way to get eyes that blue, that, like with just contact lenses. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, and his eyes are really brown. So, or we're doing they, another they have, they uh, crossover, and he's actually on Arrakis. Whoa! <laughs> That's how I he's going to travel back do, across the galaxy. <laughs> they do talk about spice, so well, maybe not in Ahsoka. <laughs> no, but. but Spice. Oh, Kessel. Um, <laughs> they, uh, yeah, he's he's got to be wearing contacts though to answer that, Roy. Yeah, probably contacts. They are very blue. They're beautiful. Effect and then a little digital mm -hmm. enhancement. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, Thrawn's eyes were a little jarring. I feel like um, it well, took I mean, a second. Well, I mean, they kind of were in the animated Thrawn's yeah. too. So yeah, that's they true. were like solid red. <laughs> it was at yeah. least you could kind of tell where an iris was on. Uh, Lars, Lars, so. yeah, but but they're always red. Even even on my little Thrawn figure, you can't see it, but the eyes are red. No, I can't see. So it. they they were always <laughs> red. <laughs> I had to dig that out of my little collection back there just so I could show it off. That's one of my favorite figures that I have. That's why it's that's one of the cool. only ones that's still in a box. <laughs> um. Uh, so, was there anything else that you guys wanted to cover before we get into segments? We're moving along wonderfully. I this episode. I thought I just <laughs> thought of one one other thing. Yeah, go on. Uh, in, in the books, uh, and less so in some of his other appearances, but in the books, Thrawn is obsessed with art, right? Yes. He, he, he studies cultures and their art in order to anticipate their battle tactics. Mm -hmm. What if Enoch's mask is from a sculpture that he had sitting around somewhere on the, uh, on the chimera? Oh, that'd be cool. like if he's like pulling apart parts of his art collection to build back some of the armor for his troops. I mean, it could be That's... like I said, he's he's a man of the people, yeah. so he could be yeah. like giving what he can and, to help the cause. And that would also, you know, explain his understanding of the Kintsugi kind of styling as far sure, as the sure. techniques being used to repair the troopers' armor too. Um, Heck yeah. Kind of tangential factoid about that mask um the yes. face was sculpted by uh dave himself nice that's dave filoni so, yeah dave filoni wow. sculpted the, the face <laughs> that's so. amazing really cool yeah god that, that man is so talented ah oh, the holy yes. filoni and filoni we trust <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, and I I love Enoch's look. Yeah, he's I want a figure. I want I want like a a legion of these night troopers, but I really want a figure of Enoch because he's super cool. Um, yeah, I I can't wait. I just this 
this whole series is is just building you know it's the building blocks to something that's going to be massive and it sucks <laughs> that you know the writer's strike is going to prevent a lot of stuff it sucks for us fans um i really am pulling for the writers and all those people mm-hmm. to yep. like get what they deserve um and i will wait however long it takes um, Phil and I were Absolutely. just discussing what we're going to do after Ahsoka um, because book club. there's not a lot of content coming out, so we're going to do a book club. Um, but We we still got to knock out uh, Last Command. Yes, we'll start with Last Command, of course, um, and then kind of go on from there because I've always said we're, you know, legends and new canon over here at Quest Me, so we better hit some legends after this. <laughs> um but yeah, it's. It, I'm really, really excited for the future of Star Wars and and where this story is gonna go. Um, mainly, like I said before, because Thrawn has been like, he's been my boy since <laughs> I was really young. So, um, seeing him have an actual story and have what looks like a cohesive, um, um, fun, magical story <laughs> is wonderful. So. Was there anything else that you guys wanted to cover before we get on to our segments? Um, kind of a small thing, but the howler that oh. Sabine is riding off. Oh, um, yes, one thing you. that Rebels is very well known for is pulling from the archives of Ralph McQuarrie. Yes. And yeah. so as I'm like watching the scenes and stuff with the howler, I unfortunately didn't get far enough. So I don't have a solid answer on whether this howler design is based on McQuarrie art, but I did start to try and dig into it and see if I could find um, some old references to what the howler design may have been. Oh, so. yes. And, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe these little noty guys are also, you know, those were from some Macquarie stuff. So. Weren't those supposed to be on Dagobah, the little noty guys? They might have been. I, I mean, we, was, we, we talked a bit about um, how, with Zeb and how mm-hmm. the uh, Lasat yes. are based on the original like concept art for the Wookiees. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense that they would pull more from the... Um, from from well, the, Ralph, the, Ralph McQuarrie's work, as far as the, how yeah, the spiders, so. the spiders from Mando season two and Rebels, I think season oh, three yeah. was no, inspired are, yeah. by yep. McQuarrie art. So, yep. I love that. I just you know, these guys have been doing so well with bringing things full circle and they keeping have. it in the family, and in, in, so yeah. to speak, mm-hmm. um, it's been a lot of fun. So. Um, yeah, and I, you got a segment with those uh, with those wolves, so we'll we'll talk more about those things. I've been really good about um, not talking about actual segments through the episode sure. and leaving sure. those discussions for the actual segments. Uh, I'm, I'm usually pretty bad about like, oh. oh, I know this is my killer scene later, but let's just talk about it anyway. <laughs> so, uh, a um, more note from Roy. Uh, mm-hmm. With uh, Thrawn's eyes versus Ezra's eyes, you've got red and blue. Oh. Oh, yeah. Now, Interesting. I, mean, I never put that together. Huh. I do like thinking that Force Ghost Kanan has been training Ezra for nine years. <laughs> I don't know if Force Ghost Kanan is real, though, because there aren't too many Force Ghosts out there. It was a pretty hard thing to, to do. master, yeah. as far as I know. Um, there was only a few Jedi that could do it, and it was... Obi-Wan, Yoda, and Anakin. Well, now Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon I guess. Yeah, but like, we... 
And Qui-Gon was the first one to do it, according to Yoda in episode yeah. three. Chronologically yeah, so, speaking. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would, would be it would be really cool to see a force ghost of Kanan and see Freddie Prince Jr. come back and reprise that role. Um, that would be like one of the happen. most well kept <laughs> secrets in Absolutely. Star Wars history. If he did, yeah, come I mean, back. Anakin was a pretty big secret for Ahsoka. Yeah, um, we we had our us like mega fans had our um, inclination or like our suspicions, but it was definitely a surprise. So. All right, guys, let's uh, let's move on to these next segments. This is great. This episode, we're getting to segments before even an hour and 20 minutes. Last few episodes, it's been we get to segments at two hours in, so this is great. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start with... It's the Sarlacc Killer scene, the part of the show where we pick our favorite still shot of each episode. So we're going to start with our wonderful guest, Erin, and her shot comes in at the 27 minute and 27 second mark. Go ahead and tell us about this shot and why you picked it. So just the relationship between Sabine and her howler, um, it just kind of, she doesn't have a lot of connection with the forest, but you see um, she does have connections with animals and such. Um, back in the beginning so just i just got a huge kick out of um you know basically her telling off this thing but then the camera doesn't move so you're very able very much able to kind of anticipate that yes this howler is going to come back across through the thing like i know what's coming so it, it was just very cute <laughs> I kept looking at my dog during this scene and going, this is you. This is you every time. Yes. Where is your loyalty? Yeah. You know, and when you see them, uh, see these howlers, you know, kind of in the beginning up on the rocks and stuff, you're like, ooh, those are going to be, you know, some some formidable beasties. Absolutely. And then it's like, no, nah, they're just these little <laughs> things we ride around on. Big old They pushovers. are like pack dogs with, or, you know, riding dogs with like rat faces. Yeah, I like those. They're just friendly liked, little beasties yeah. who like to I liked potentially how, uh, eat nutty. And and I love <laughs> I love the idea of them being utilized by Thrawn and his crew for transportation because I gotta save resources, can't burn all our, you know, speeder bike fuel and whatnot. Mm -hmm. You know, we gotta mm -hmm. save what we have. Let's hey, we got native mounts, let's go ride them. Yep. Um, and I loved how Ezra was like, you got a howler? What the, how the <laughs> hell did you do that? Right? And it's even got like a saddle. Surprised. Yeah. It's not um, even bareback riding. And I, lo I loved how um, committed this howler got to Sabine mm -hmm. by the end. Like he was like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I okay. I won't do this again." Like, can we still like can we still be friends? <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. Excellent pick, though. I I do love that scene. Um, Phil, your Starlight Killer scene comes in at the 7 minute and 14 second mark. Why don't you tell us why you picked this shot? Uh, so as, as we discussed earlier, this is, this is the rings of Peridia. This is me like pausing and almost screaming at the TV when I saw this because it's Pergil Bones. Yeah. Just, you know, the rib cages and debris of hundreds or thousands if not more uh just dead pergil and, and there's been so many there that they have just 
accumulated into these massive planetary rings. It's just the scope of how long the Pergo migrations have been going. And yeah, it just, it, it was beautiful and reminded me of something that Macquarie would have done as a bit of concept art. Yeah. Just, it's very dark it's, for Star Wars. It's very dark. Um, and kind of gives us uh, a note on the more serious aspect that we're kind of dealing with in this case. Yeah. Um, I also love to think that Pergia is surrounded by death. Yeah. Um, that that whole planet was basically just a death trap. Yeah. You know, it, that, it that... made me it, it made me question whether or not there'd be anything alive other than, you know, Thrawn and Ezra on the surface. <laughs> Right. Um, yeah, excellent pick. That was uh, that was a very close one for me as well. Um, I got, of course, I have more than one because it's how I live my life. Um, and this is my show, so whatever. But let's talk about Justin's uh, Starlight Killer scene. It came in at the 17-minute mark, and it is the scene that where Thrawn is walking down the aisle and all of the troopers are just standing at attention and chanting his name and it is one of the greatest introduction scenes for a villain ever so i can absolutely understand why justin would make this pick um and if he didn't pick it it was going to be mine so and and can we talk really quickly about how spectacular it was that they pulled the chimera in and parked the docking bay over the top of this tower Oh, oh, I yeah. love that. <laughs> Just love that as, so a, that as was, a bit of detail. I was like, detail. what are they? Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Good fitting, good fitting. We have seen Star Destroyers come up over the top of a ship and pull a ship into the docking bay before, but we've never seen one come down over the top of a structure like this. Yeah. Uh, imagine if that thing loses power. <laughs> and, and just falls. Ion cannon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I do love this pick. Yeah, uh, was... I love seeing like the stormtroopers where you have the um, black helmets on the front to like that the, they fixed you know the old broken helmets with with new ones. Mm -hmm. um, they look burned or something like that. Like it's just this is such a ragtag group of Imperials that it kind of reminds you of a new rebellion, mm -hmm. you know. And they're doing whatever they can with what they got. So <laughs> I, I love it. Um, I briefly will talk about this scene. It, um, the eight minute and 50 second mark was the wide shot of Peridia at the very beginning yeah. when Morgan is flying down or they're flying down into the planet. Um, I love seeing the Night Sister statues. Well, and we'd um, seen a flash of one out the cockpit window very close up. Right. Right, uh, and then when they the early, earlier in the approach, else. but just realizing uh -huh. how many there are and how big they are. Yep, um, and even though that is a really good pick, I I just I love the wide shots of this episode. Um, that one being really good, but my absolute favorite shot was at the 16 minute and nine second mark, when the chimera that, is actually yeah. coming mm -hmm. over that pillar. And like coming towards Morgan and and the Night Sisters, um, just seeing the the scope of a Star Destroyer and the sheer like magnitude that that ship is like, and it's just so 
big. And it's not um, even a super Star Destroyer. It's just... No, it's just a regular, regular-ass Star yeah. Destroyer. But you I, had the the painting of the the dragon on the bottom of it, um, which is wonderful because that's a you know it was always in Rebels, so I'm glad they kept that there. Um, and it's cool that in Mandalorian they had a painting on the bottom of a a, the, a spaceship, uh, uh, on a pirate Orient ship. ship. Yeah. Yes, to kind of like show, hey, it's not abnormal. Um, and then seeing the chimera with it was was great. Um, you get a little bit on the side of the Star Destroyer. You can see where the Purgles like just like yep. destroyed it. Where they rebels. grabbed onto it <laughs> and yeah. pulled it along yep. with them. They had to hold on. They had to hold on pretty tight, you know. Yeah, well, because yep. they weren't able to, you know, take it inside one it. of them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then I think my favorite part about this is seeing all the gold around the Star Destroyer. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. um, it's just... it matches with the entire army and like. Seeing one of like seeing this star destroyer coming up on you is going to be much more terrifying than any other star destroyer. I don't I don't care. It it <laughs> instantly makes the ship identifiable. Absolutely. Yes. Um. So yeah, that's that's definitely my pick. And you, excellent pick, guys. And Justin, I I know you're not here. You're here in spirit. Thank you for for your pick. And thank you guys for participating in the Sarlacc killer scene. Um, our next segment is always a fun one. One Chimer, the part of the show where we talk about our favorite line of dialogue of each show. And of course, we'll continue the trend and have our guest Erin with her One Chimer first. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. It was really hard not to talk about that at the beginning of the episode, so... Yeah. Yeah, there's that. I... Why did you pick that that particular uh, one chimer? I mean, we kind of sort of talked about it a little bit, but um, just you know, David Tennant's voice as Hu Yang is just you know, as as a uh, longtime Doctor Who fan, you know, I'm kind of obsessed with anything David Tennant does. But then just you know, it's a classic. It's the scroll. It's it's how it starts. Um. So the fact that I get, you know, two of my favorite things in, in one line, if you will. I, I was almost in tears when I realized what the line was going to be as he was starting yeah. his story. It was just like... Was, I basically did, <laughs> I did both the Leonardo DiCaprio meme and yep. the, the family guy one. He said, he said, he the, said line. the thing. He said the thing. Yeah. <laughs> So it was, Memes in real life. Is, <laughs> yep. I think we all fought over that particular one chimer, but when you chose it, we were like, yep, it's all yours. <laughs> oh, thanks. So, so thank you for settling that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is. It was such a cool thing to, to see in Star Wars, you know, and to actually oh. hear somebody say that. I have so. two cats on my desk oh, now. Oh, gracious. Nice. <laughs> pod, pod kitties. I love it. Yes, pod kitties. <laughs> yeah. Um, great pick for the one-chimer, though, Aaron. Phil, let's go on to your one-chimer. I thought it was beyond you. Zander's the made a Jedi. After all, death and resurrection are common deceptions played out by both Night Sister and Jedi. I had to attach the beginning of that yeah, just no, to give it a little good. bit of context, and I love that. Uh, <laughs> and again, it, it it's tying back into my whole theory about the uh, zombie army 
was like, no, nah, what if I have, at least in a manner of speaking, triumphed over death? You know, what if, what if, you know, everyone's thought I've been dead for the last nine years. Yeah. If I can come back, you know, if we can do this. Uh, and just his delivery of that line and being like, you know, it's not just, you know, it's not just the Jedi who have a, uh, <laughs> neither, neither group has a ma uh, monopoly on this ability, you know, or this tendency, you know, especially now because he knows Ahsoka's on the way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that. And then to further that, um, whenever he is talking about Ahsoka and he's like, I want to know everything. I want to know where she's from. I want to know her master. I want to know her, her history, like her background, her people, like everything. It was like, I think Thrawn was excited to get back into the game, uh, you know, to, he has he a loves new, playing he has that a game. He worthy adversary. Yep. And, and he's all about chess, basically. He is the chess chiss player, you know, and, and you can just tell whenever he starts asking Morgan for all that information, he's like, yes, oh, getting the blood flowing again. This is going to be wonderful. Um, Roy asks the question, what is stopping the Dathomir witches from resurrecting the Purgle to leave the planet? What are the specifics for, what are the specifics for Dathomir undead? I mean, they are, I am not they're sure. from, they're from there. Um, like the witches are there so they have no reason to leave on their own per se but as right. far as like why they didn't res the perg the dead pergil to um to to take thrawn back to the other galaxy uh i hope we'll see more about the limits of their magic about their uh abilities it's, you know it's probably a matter of what you can control yeah you know um, uh, because i, I mean like Maroc that... was Maroc was capable of using the force Right. But, you know. Was he, though? Because there's a little scene whenever he throws his lightsaber right before he throws it where he hits a button on his on his uh, wrist. Is that a magnet? Is that like <laughs> a a retractable thing where, he you know, he throws it and then it comes back to his where his wrist is? Because it, to me, I gotta, it, it kind of seemed back and like that's, that. that's what it was. Um, yeah. yeah. I got to go back and rewatch that bit now. And it's it, it's to me but, it seemed yeah, like he was um, using his, Roy, his I'm wrist. Sorry, we um, don't have a, a good answer on that one yet. But. Yeah, and it could just be the the limits of it. It's a it's a big creature, um, and who knows? Like, if this yeah. undead army oh. actually comes to fruition, are they being run by the three witches? <laughs> like, is it going to be they have to defeat mm -hmm. those three witches to defeat the whole army? Oh, is that like a keystone? Uh, a keystone to the army. That's a right fun so, thought i'm sure we'll find out in the coming weeks yes um, but excellent question i'm gonna play justin's one chimer really quick did i even put that on here nope you know what i'm gonna play my one chimer really quick and then we'll get his on here you've gambled the fate of your galaxy on that belief you wouldn't understand Perhaps not. Oof! Burn! I love this interaction between Thrawn and Sabine because he's just so satisfied with the fact that Sabine has risked everything 
for Ezra. And then for her to turn around and be like, well, you don't have any friends, so you wouldn't really understand why I would do this. And you can tell he's, he kind of hurts him a little bit. He's like, ouch, you know what? I guess, I guess maybe you're right there. And, uh, all right, screw you. I'm going to send you out to your death. You know, it's kind of, kind of <laughs> what I was thinking there with Thrawn. So, it's like, well, yeah, um, your mom, wait. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but, but Thrawn had some of the best lines in this, oh. this whole episode. He, uh, he definitely delivered, um, his dialogue better than most dialogue has been delivered in this entire star wars like disney plus <laughs> series you know and, and all of them i like mean that that just speaks to Lars mickelson as an actor um very true very true um but yeah it's i i you know it, there were a couple different thrawn lines that i wanted to pick but i feel like that one was just kind of the best because it was a good back and forth between Sabine and Thrawn and a good reintroduction for those two characters because they definitely spent some time together in Rebels. Yeah. So mm -hmm. Really, good, really good establishing of his character uh, for the folks who had not seen him previously. Absolutely. Let's establish this guy as a threat. Um, let's, let's show off his very loyal fan base. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Uh, loyal um, to death, but and yeah, maybe and, beyond. Right, and I'm excited to see more of of Thrawn's dialogue and and more of him as a character as time goes on. So, I got Justin's one chimer up here, so I'm gonna play that real quick. And then, I want to uh, know her yeah. background, history, homeworld, her master, everything. Yes, Grand Admiral. If a star whale approaches Peridia, destroyed with prejudice. Yeah, so we kind of covered that first part where he's talking about wanting to know everything about Ahsoka, but Justin's main line was the destroy it with prejudice. Because I can only assume that Justin's like, yes, take that thing out. <gasps> um, and I, I, I do really enjoy that line from Thrawn. And, and this Save is... the Star Wheels, man. Yes, yes. Okay, <laughs> so this is, this is me and Aaron uh, geeking out about this again because... Um, Doctor Who reference. <laughs> uh, there is an. Oh no. Uh, there's an episode of Doctor Who called The Beast Below uh, that features a future version of London. Yep, I'm, I'm in and out. Hang on. <laughs> um, Do you. You're am good. I here Keep or am going. I not? Let's see. Yeah, no. You're I, here. We can hear you. I think you might just be. Uh, Stop your camera. See if that helps. Might be something to do with that. <laughs> Who knows? I was watching I mean, a, a podcast. A friend of mine, the uh, the Grawlix podcast was playing earlier, and I was watching them, and they were having issues with Streamyard too. So I wonder Aww. if it's just a a site wide thing happening with Streamyard right now. Um, do you know what he's talking about, Aaron? The episode yeah, he's talking about. So this episode, the beast below. Um, Basically, they're in uh, New London. I forget how many news are on there. Um, but um, we are we basically see that these cities in the very end of the episode um, are carried on the backs of star whales. And oh. so from the, the very first time that I saw the Purgle back in uh, um, Rebels, I've been calling them star whales. 
Um, you know, yes, they're purgles, but they are star whales. And so, um, I have been calling them star whales. It was just a fun, it was a fun point to have somebody actually like canonically refer to them as star whales. whales. Uh, So someone, someone in the writer's room of Ahsoka is a huge Doctor Who fan then. I mean, they've got Tenant on cast, someone in the writer's room. Yeah, obviously, (laughs) obviously. Yeah. Sorry for that. uh, Sorry for that hiccup there. My internet for a few minutes there. Aaron covered for you flawlessly. She knew exactly what you were talking about. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's almost like we coordinated it ahead of time or something. <laughs> Just maybe. Yeah, and I actually um, got back in like 2013 or something, right after that uh, episode, or you know, I guess the February after that episode yeah. had come out. I was at the Doctor Who convention in LA, and me and uh, my husband, uh, then boyfriend, but. Um, me and uh, Tim and a few other friends of ours um, all made like save the star whale hippie gear and stuff. So we had like tie dye oh, shirts that I, I screen printed on, and it was it was beautiful. So save the star whales, man! Save the star whales. Maybe, maybe I'll have you make a, a quest me save the star whales collab shirt, and we can oh, uh, yeah. get it oh, out to I people. Totally can. Totally can. That'd be, cool. that'd be great. So, especially now yeah. that you know we are uh, killing them with prejudice, save the star <laughs> whales. That's awesome. Um, well, great picks, everyone, for the one chimers. It's it's always fun to to talk about our favorite lines in these shows. So, um, let's go on to our final segment. <laughs> Which is the Tuscan Raider, the part of the episode where we rate each episode. Um, so let's start with Aaron. What would you rate this episode out of ten, ten, ten night troopers? Okay. Ten Knox? night troopers. No night troopers. Out of ten night troopers. I. Yeah. How, what would, would you rate it? Out? <laughs> on the scale of also all the other episodes, mm-hmm. I would rate this. Um, I think nine night troopers. So. Solid. This one's this one's my favorite. Nice. So yeah. Okay. No, e- right. I easily yeah. easily the best episode of the series right. of the series so far. Um, now, I mean, I know a lot of that is because we have been looking forward to getting to see Thrawn. Yes. Getting yes. to actually like was- hit these plot notes that we've been waiting for since the first episode. So. Same. I got to give it a nine. Well, what would you rate this one then, Phil? Okay. And I agree with you guys. I'm also on the nine. Um, I think that last week was the best episode. That's why I gave it a 10. Um, there's still time to get another 10 this season. But um, just seeing Anakin and stuff kind of, even though Thrawn, again, is, is like one of the, the best things to happen to me personally for Star Wars in a long time, um, it was still really cool yeah. to see Oh, yeah. Anakin and the Clone Wars and just everything wrapped up in that one episode. It was, I don't know, man, it's, it's going to be really hard to beat that one. So I, I'm rating this one a nine. Justin's rating this one a nine point five. trying to make you Probably do just math. just to be a dick. Um, yeah. But that's okay because, which is fine. I did math real quick. So all together, we rated this episode a 91.25, um, which oh, I definitely. believe is the highest definitely rated our highest episode, episode for, for this so season. far. It's it's close. Last week I might have been a ninety-two. Get out of here, Roy. Um, 
I'm I'm not positive. I have it written down in my notes. Um, but Roy says it was an 8.5. Rise of Skywalker, 10 out of 10. Um, it was really cool to have you here, Roy, but I'm going to block you now. No, I'm totally kidding. Um, I, let's see. Last okay, week we okay. had it episode was close, 5 rated though. at a 92.84. So last week was... Yep. yep. Yeah. And it was... Mostly because I gave it a 10, but yeah. Uh, This week being a 91.25 is definitely, um, yeah, definitely a top, top, top tier. So that's going to be it for us this week. Um, It's been a, it's been a wonderful time hanging out with you guys and talking about probably one of the best Star Wars episodes that we've seen in a really long time. Um, Aaron, why don't you just give us a little refresher on maybe where people can find you and find your sure. um, costume um, convention and stuff I like that. am on Instagram and um, Facebook. Um, I don't post on my Facebook page nearly as often, but um, my handle is which direction am I pointing? <laughs> there I you understand go. Things. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> that's my. Uh, that's my. Um, my Instagram handle there. Um, That's uh, at ampersand, uh, the word ampersand, ampersand, the number 15, for those yeah. of you who are listening later tonight or later this okay. next week, for those of you not watching live. Yep. We're, words are fun, too. Um, so, yes, ampersand 15 um, on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and then the convention that I run, I'm running this year is CostumeCon42. You can find that at CostumeCon42.org. And then in years that I'm not running CostumeCon, I run a, a steampunk and fantasy convention called WhimsyCon. And you can find that at WhimsyCon.org as well. Ooh. Check them out, Colorado folks. These are awesome yes. conventions awesome. Uh, with really cool guests and a lot of fun activities and panels. Yes, thank you. Hell yeah. Um, Phil, what about you? Uh, so you again, uh, my blog is at swordsoftheancients.com. You can find me on uh, Blue Sky now mostly uh, at FlipWriter. And uh, you'll be able to find me here in like three weeks at Peaks and Pours doing that bartender competition. Oh, yes. And of course, all of the links that were just mentioned are in the show notes. Um, if you're listening in podcast land, just hit those show notes yes. and you can click and on Juan, those links and it'll take you wherever you need Juan, to go. buddy, so. for you, we will give the episode an 11. <laughs> but just for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and thanks... And thanks to you guys in the chat, too, for hanging out, Roy and, and Juan. And I know there was a couple other people. Um, don't ever feel shy to, to say some things. We, we love hearing from you guys. So thanks again for hanging out in the chat. And, of course, thanks, everyone, for listening and watching Quest Me. Um, as always, it's, it's a great time. And you can find Quest Me anywhere. Anywhere online. Just search Quest Me Podcast. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok. What's the other one? Um, threads, like all the stuff. It's, there's too much. But if you, any of your favorite social media apps, just just search Quest Me Podcast and we are there. So um, thanks again for listening. For Quest Me, I have been your host. I'm Phil. Aaron. My name is Josh. We will talk at you next week. May the force be with you.